0: It's
1: always soccer in Philadelphia. Kevin Kincaid alongside a special guest co host today, the goalkeeper himself, Mr. Jonathan Tannenwald. John, welcome to Fishtown. How are you, man?
2: Strange part of town for me. I don't get over here very often because I live in Westville.
1: Yeah. But uh, it's nice to be here. Yeah. Nice little setup you got here. Well, I'm just thank you. I'm glad we could make it over here because there's no cars parked on the street. There were jackhammers going off. They're resurfacing the road. It took us about a half hour to get here. But we're here. And uh, the reason that you are here is because uh, Dave Zeidlin, uh, my normal co-host is now a father of two, Dave, Dave and Lauren welcomed uh, Lila Zeitlin uh, to the world at sometime yesterday morning, Wednesday morning, uh, so congratulations to Dave on that. I'll tell uh, your
2: listeners a little story. Yeah. Um, so I've known Dave since my freshman year of college, which was his senior year of college. He right, you're was, both Penn guys, yeah. He was the sports editor of the student paper when I started, and I've known him ever since, and... We've been friends ever since and he is I know a lot of folks only see sort of what he writes for MLS soccer and CSN. But if you ever get a chance either to read his long features for the Penn Alumni magazine mm-hmm. or his old stuff for the Penn Student Newspaper back in the the guy can write
1: long really well. Really good stuff. <laughs> I would go as far to say as he's probably the best uh, pure writer among the uh group of uh, of four or five yeah. union report definitely better than me but you know what this is in the world of podcasting you know you can't have any breaks so even for the uh for the uh father of two now we have to the show must go on uh, as you would say and uh the show must go on for the Philadelphia Union who are uh now in the international break uh, at a at a record of four wins six losses and four draws they had the nice uh, four four win Four game win streak there, and if they had won last week, we could have said, "Well, they're five, five and four. They're a five hundred team that kind of clawed back from a crappy start to to you know break even, and that would have been a nice narrative going into the break." But you know that didn't happen. They lost two in a row. So I mean, on June ninth or whenever we're recording, what 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 is the Philadelphia Union right now? They've beaten bad teams and they've lost to good teams. And I guess the
2: one bad team they lost to lately was Real Salt Lake, but going out there is never easy. That's a really tough place to win even for yeah, you know, for for good teams that go out there. Um it's what it is. Yeah. It just sounds stupid and cliché and whatever else <laughs> I get that, but I just, you know, we know what this team is. When everybody's healthy and playing well, yeah, they can play some decent soccer. Are they Seattle? Are they Toronto? Are they Atlanta? No. They're not. And they're not going to be. No. But you know, if you beat all the bad teams, you're supposed to beat. Is it going to get you to fifth or sixth? Yeah, probably. Do you need to steal one or two? Probably over time, you do. But it would have helped a lot if they'd held on to that lead in New York. Yeah, that would have been that would have. I, I had that one circled when sort of when they got the two games winning streak, and then obviously you know got the four. I'm like, okay. If they win that game, and that was before I realized that Bedoya was going to be gone, because obviously he was going to be gone.
0: Right, right. Yeah.
2: If they win that game. Okay, now we can start talking. Mm-hmm. And for eighty minutes, look if you told me if you told me going in that day, given the fact that they didn't have Bedoya, that they were they would get a scoreless draw, I'd take it. Turn around, walk right back out the door, go down to Penn Station, and come home.
0: <laughs> That's right.
2: Um, they almost had it. And both goals, I believe, came after Craval went out, which might not have been coincidental.
1: Well, let's let me let's talk about that real quick because I was down there last week during training. They had Josh Yara playing center back. They had Ken Tribbett playing D mid. So we all knew that without Bedoya and without Jones, that Warren Crevall was the next guy up. Beyond that, we didn't know who was next on the depth chart at D mid. Right, so. The move then, Richie Marquez comes in for an injury to Gucci right? That's one sub.
2: That was the killer, I think.
1: Was, yeah. It, it, it yeah.
2: started killing him right off the bat. I, Jim didn't want to make any of those subs. I no, know.
1: no, absolutely not. And we'll, and Richie will come up in a sec. But, so then this Moir Creval goes out, and the move is to move Jack Elliott up and bring Josh Yarrow in. And as good as Josh Yarrow in, I, is, I just don't think that I was the game. To I put actually him back didn't in. mind it. And the reason why. You didn't, I didn't, would, would you have rather seen him play, play a steal game before getting back on the field? The I would have game? rather
2: seen him play 15 minutes instead of 40. Yeah.
1: 15 minutes for the Union
2: instead of you know 40 plus whatever, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. Jim brought him up there to play him. And I'm sure that he wanted to play him less time than he did. But I had no problem putting Yarrow at center back because the way that game was unfolding, Morales and Villa were getting in behind a lot. Mm hmm. And Yarrow's speed made it, to me it made sense for him to be sort of the last guy.
0: Yeah, yeah. And you
2: had to go chase him down and go chase him down.
1: Now, on the first set piece, it's actually conceded when Josh is trying to shepherd the ball to the end line, and somebody gets over there and makes a play at the last minute, and the NYC earns a corner. So we were asking Jim about this today, and he went on kind of a lengthy, rambling response. But so basically, in the evaluation that when I was when I was watching the game back for the for the analysis and the grades and stuff like that. Um you saw nobody on the near post for the first goal. You saw nobody on the back post either. And Richie Marquez, who's had a history, when you watch his tape, he's had a history of having trouble marking on set pieces because he gets screened, he gets grabbed, he uh falls victim to stunt moves and stuff like that, he, which he, he didn't
2: be that good.
1: <laughs> well might, if we, can, we can we can get can there if you want, that. but Here's the thing. Jim's saying that, you know, because Ray Gaddis, they normally put the full the near side fullback on the front post, right? But because Ray Gaddis had to come up and, and cover for a uh, short corner situation there, that's why he was off the post. It seemed like a flaw in design to me, but he basically said that the data shows that in the last 10 minutes of the game, the opponent's going to put all of their, their pieces forward, and it just makes sense to mark up instead of leaving a guy on the post. So. That being said, he was more disappointed with the second goal, where they had a chance to clear with the ball bouncing in the box, and Ray Gaddis was marking somebody loosely on that. So, I mean, I don't know. I don't know what I'm getting at here with the question. Is I think be. I know. Is, I think is, I know. Is coaching. To,
2: uh, I think I know. Pieces? I think I know. And I have a couple of take ideas. it from there. <laughs> One is I sort of alluded to the fact that I'm not the world's biggest Richie Marquez fan. Um. Another is. And I'm sorry that my phone keeps buzzing in the background. This is my no, life. As, okay.
1: I, my seat keeps like creaking. This right is my right. life
2: as a journalist. I get emails and Slack notifications. Uh, yeah, and right, God right, knows what yeah. all the time. <laughs> um, there is something to be said, and I asked Jack Elliott about this after the game, and he. Admitted, Jack Elliott, to his credit, is a guy who tries to play the ball out.
1: Yeah, tries to keep it on the deck. You know,
2: every once in a while. Not all that people don't want to hear this. I know. I'm going to get yelled at on Twitter. This,
1: But tell, tell them anyway. People that's why we are here. don't
2: want to hear this. Well, guess what? You're going to hear it. Sometimes, not every time, but sometimes it is okay to boot the ball 60 <laughs> yards down the field yeah. and be done with it. Yeah. And when you got a traffic jam in your 18-yard box with 20 guys all trying to get a foot on the ball, and you know – that if you boot the ball 60 yards down the field, it's going to solve the problem for a moment. Then boot the ball 60 yards down the field. Yeah, yeah. It's okay.
0: Yeah, uh, and... and then you can
2: play the ball out of the back the rest of the time. <laughs> but sometimes, you know, it's, I, 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 it's funny. I was, I was watching the U.S. women's game this afternoon, and I say sort of something similar about Carly Lloyd, whose greatest asset is that she can smash the ball in from 20 yards, mm-hmm. which nobody else on that team does nearly as well. Sometimes you need one of those people. You can play pretty soccer with the other 10 players on the field. Mm-hmm. Then you have to figure out what Lloyd's best position is, obviously. That's a whole, but, other, that's a whole other podcast. Right. Isn't it? Yeah. but you want to have all of the tools in your arsenal if you can. You want to have some guys who can play the ball out smartly, and then when the moment is needed to boot the ball, then boot the ball. And in both those situations... In two plays out of a ninety minute game, I would have just knocked it out of
1: there. Yeah, yeah. Well it's a disappointing that this point thing is that you know, it it goes back to this thing of uh well it's the same old Philadelphia Union, blah blah blah. And it's not it's not really. It's it's you know, two different things on, on, on two different scenarios there. You know, I'll tell you I, what too, if Craval's still in that game, mm, I'd probably
2: take at least one of those goals off the board.
1: Yeah. Because Elliot yeah, got see. caught
2: I forget which one, but Elliot got caught ball watching.
1: The problem, the problem with me with the Yarrow thing was that not only are you playing Josh in that position for the first time this year, but you're also playing Jack Elliott in that position for the first time ever at this level. Yeah, I know and, he played some D mid at West Virginia, but it the, wasn't. But you know, you uh,
2: he said as much. Jim said as much, and they just there was not anything they could do.
1: Well, I ask you straight up: in that point in time, would you rather have Jack Elliott playing D mid, or would you rather have Ken Tribbett playing D mid? Jack Elliott. He's a better soccer player. I guess both of them are kind of an unknown quantity at that position, right? They are. I mean, you don't. You don't I
2: rode Tribit real hard last year.
1: Yeah, you're not the only one. Who, so I, <laughs> I, I think most of the given, listeners. Given the too. choice,
2: I'd put the better soccer feet, player on the field and take my chances yeah. for ten minutes. Yeah, you know, or something like that. It ain't all ninety. It's ten minutes of the game, and just you know, it's it's the sort of when. There was a game a couple of weeks ago. Derek Jones came in, and Bedoya had to play the 10 for five minutes at the end of the game. Yeah. It's okay. You don't it's play all right. it for it's five right. minutes. It's all right.
1: Know? You know what the ironic thing is, though? And Jim repeated this today, and they've said this multiple times, they being him and Ernie Stewart, was that they want to be a team that develops players for the national team and gets international call-ups. Well, that's that's great, they've and you got, got them, them, but that put, it, that put you down to your fourth string it, defensive and, and midfielder. Where
2: that's where you – know? In time, they're almost sort of a little ahead of the game at the moment because they don't have enough reinforcements from the academy to make up for it, which is what the the Red Bulls and FC Dallas and Toronto and Montreal and Vancouver have. But it's funny. I was thinking about this today because I was doing some planning of my schedule for the Gold Cup. The U.S. players who get called in, are going to leave on the 25th of June okay, and are going to miss in the union. The union have games against new England and sporting Kansas city on July. I think second and sixth.
1: I got it right here. If I can figure and it out here,
2: people are going to complain. I was going to use another word, but yeah, the second and a... the
1: sixth, the Sunday, they play Sunday. I don't, Thursday.
2: I don't want to get you an explicit rating on iTunes. I was going to use another.
1: No, word. that's okay. I drop a couple of people. Things people are room.
2: going to complain about being without possibly Bedoya and Pontius. And maybe Blake. We don't know when he's going to leave. Right. I assume he's going to leave later. The the Jamaica doesn't play a warm-up game for their international guys. They're playing the Caribbean Cup, but Blake's not going to be part of that at the end of June. The U.S. plays the warm-up game against Ghana on July 1st. They're going to call guys in on the 25th, which is a Sunday. The deadline to get to 23 players is the 27th, I believe. I'll look it up while I'm sitting here talking to you. Well, let me let me because they're they're gonna they can call in more guys right than they need and judge if a sapong is really on the fringe. They can give them a look. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. whoever goes will um will miss. I assume the games against New England and Kansas City. But the flip side of that, before everybody starts screaming bloody murder, is that. You know New England's going to lose a couple of guys. And mm-hmm. you know Kansas City's going to lose a couple guys. Every team in MLS is going to lose guys at that point.
1: Beasler, Zussi. Isn't Dwyer, Agadello, Dwyer on the on the Dwyer's on 40, the 40. 40 Agadello's yeah. on the 40. Yeah.
2: Rose on the 40.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Everybody's going to lose somebody. And all the folks in Seattle are going to complain. And all the folks in Toronto are going to complain. <laughs> and all, It's coming. We all know it's coming.
1: Yeah, it's not like it wasn't, uh, you know, I, Can we just so, the yeah. once? Let it go. Yeah, yeah. Let it go. Well that okay, so that's the micro sense of it, you know, the situation involving the gold cup for this year. In a macro sense.
2: I'll take it first. Still
1: take it. You've heard okay, so in I don't know how how much you. I don't know if you watch the town hall clips that they put up on the website or any of the stuff um, I that I was able to grab. But they have basically said multiple times, "We want to be a team that develops players for the national team, United States national team. We want call ups for this and that." I know if where you that started. are If you are, so so here's here's a question. Put on your Philadelphia Union fan hat, okay? I don't have one, but I'll Do you try to put it on. Yeah. If you if you are it's too small, a Philadelphia <laughs> 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 If you if you are a Philadelphia Union fan. Do you give a shit about call-ups to the national team, or yes. do you want to see? want to see? So. Well, let me ask it this way then. Do you, what's more important to you, seeing Alejandro Bedoya play for the national team or seeing the Philadelphia Union win a trophy? What do you think is their goal? What do you think Ernie Stewart and Jim Curtin and, and Jay Sugarman are trying? What, what do you think they're I trying to achieve? I can't speak for Sugarman. I can speak for the other two. Can anybody speak for Sugarman no. at this point?
2: Um, look, the whole we want to be guys, we want to be a team that develops U.S. national team players started with an interview that I did with Jim, during the offseason. Mm-hmm. after he finished his U.S. Soccer Elite, whatever the top level is, the new top pro coaching the license. pro license
1: that he did, yeah.
2: And I want to do a story on be like, look, what is this actually? What do you actually do that is an act of <laughs> coaching that gets you an elite level coaching license? Because yeah. I know I can't do it, but I don't know. I don't like. We talk about this stuff all the time in the minds of Guardiola and uh, uh. Pio Herrera, and you name them. And Klinsman and his failures and whatever else. So what is it? And Jim's sort of thesis dissertation kind of thing was building a, trying to build a club culture. Well, what is that? What actually concretely is that? And he said, I want the union to be a team, a club that develops players for the U.S. national team. And Ernie Stewart, obviously being one of the greats all time in the national team, mm-hmm. is on board with that. And you know there are obviously side benefits in the being able to sell a Derek Jones or an Austin Trusty to Europe at some point for what one would imagine now is a much larger sum of money than it would have been before the World Cup, because they both I would hope so made some names for themselves. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I've heard from some people that Jones already has some European interest, and I've heard from some people that Trusty had some European interest before the Union signed him to a senior contract, which would makes sense as to why they did because then they make at sure the they time. get the money. Yeah,
0: Exactly, yep. Uh,
2: and Jim alluded to that at one point in a series of long-winded remarks in general, I think at the time when trustee was signed. <laughs> and I caught that half a sentence as I said, aha, okay. I get it now. Um, I hope, and people know this about me, I hope that Union fans are also national team fans. I think... By and large, they are. I honestly think that the national team has a bigger fan base in this town than the
1: Union do. Yeah, I would say that's true. Um,
2: because you get a lot of the people who only watch the European game, but are Americans mm-hmm. who go when the national team comes to town or goes to New York or whatever. Right. And, and before anybody starts yelling at me, they know the Union exists. They go to a couple games a year. They don't root against them. No but that's one of the downsides of the stadium being in Chester. And that's for God. Oh, and you have a team that doesn't win to do down the So I've said for a long time, I think the union would be a, spe- are a, are the kind of team that is particularly well served by having an American star player. Mm-hmm. I think that plays well in this town to the soccer fans here. If it implicates a little bit, some of the lack of diversity, maybe it does,
1: but you know, in L.A. The, Gio, Gio Dos Santos right, ain't moving exactly. the needle in Philadelphia is what we're saying. To, you know?
2: to in, well, he, w- he would. But Cubo Torres mm-hmm. might move the I Still doesn't in Houston for, you know, just because he doesn't have enough caps or whatever. And maybe yeah. that's partly the failure of the Dynamo's marketing. But Cubo Torres in this town wouldn't move the needle. Cubo Torres in New York... Would move the meter. Thierry Henry in New York, obviously, would move the meter. He would move the meter here, but would yeah,
1: would Robbie Keane move the meter here? Somewhat, uh, maybe. But it's not, different. It's different levels. Not, it's, not, diff, it, it's different levels. So if you're talking about, I mean, if you're talking about the typical four for four WIP 97.5 listener, nothing short of Messi is moving the needle for well, them, right? Uh, Gerard, <laughs> Wood, if you're to, Steve Gerard. Wood. Well, yeah, yeah, sure. But here's
2: sure. But okay, but but you and I have both. Worked for the people who are the ultimate gatekeepers in this town. (laughs) Yes, we have. The program directors (laughs) at the TV stations. Yes. The sports editors at the newspapers. Yes. Who know a little bit. But they couldn't
1: be arsed to know a little bit more.
2: They could, right. But And I I, I tell the story because he's a dear friend of mine who helped me very much in my ability to cover soccer for the Inquirer and the Daily News and Philly.com. John Quinn, who's the former Mm -hmm. sports editor of the Inquirer a big Wayne Rooney fan went to some union games. His kid quite enjoyed them. He would watch the premier league and the champions league and say, the quality of MLS is not as good. And I would say to him,
1: you're right.
0: And most people would be saying that, right. You know, but and it's
2: ours. But, but it's ours. But it's, ours. Him, but it's, it's ours. ours. <laughs> and, and he knows that. Yeah. He underst- He understands that. Yeah. And the funny thing is, then he watched a Barcelona game. And he said, I watched this Barcelona. Holy cow. So yeah, I've been trying to
1: tell you that. For yeah. A while. And now he's going to El Clasico Miami, right? Well, he ain't got that much money,
0: but look, <laughs> I, no, it, it's
2: it's. I don't think Keane. In New York, Keane would move the meter. I don't think mm-hmm. he would. He, he, I mean, he's Irish. It would help, yeah. but I think the folks out there listening and Kevin, you know what I mean. Yeah. But. Aaron Johansson, who's the guy who I've said for a while that they would sign, they ought to sign, or Terrence Boyd. Boyd might, you know. That kind of player, yeah. if Boyd or Johansson is coming in, the union ought to be at the front of the line.
0: Because mm-hmm.
2: I think those guys, not to everybody, but to enough people who are smart enough, would move the meter. And they'd score some goals, obviously, which would help. Yeah. If you know, Look, everybody, you keep hearing these rumblings about whether Johansson is on the market.
1: I take out of one the, of them. Boyd Johansson, the union Sig Thorson have not said anything. Adam Maher, Did Richard
2: McGovern, Richard McGovern <laughs> no, is I mean, now I mean, hacking this I mean, podcast. That's four not po- only your Twitter account. Yeah, that's four
1: podcasts in a row that I've mentioned Adam Maher. But what? here's the, here's the thing. It's like I, I I don't know if if Ernie and Jim's message is resonant. The problem is that you have so many different types of soccer fans in this region. You know, you have people who. We'll go watch Arsenal at Misconduct at 7 in the morning, but don't give a shit about the Philadelphia Union. You have people who want to see the Philadelphia Union do well. You have people who are casual fans who watch the World Cup, right? So what? what it, it's hard to even draw up a, gonna, mar- a marketing I will, plan. I will, it, I will yeah. say,
2: that, well, except, I mean, you have for, to the, decide except for the one that they have used over the years, which is go get the kids yeah. in Chester County to come down the Blue
1: Route, uh, yeah. and
2: that has not been satisfactory. I
1: will... But I feel, it sounds to me like like Ernie and Jim are saying in code that everybody knows, uh, look, we're not going to win much of anything. So if we can develop this guy and develop this guy and send this guy to the national team and do this, we ain't with spending, ex- we with ain't spending ex- Toronto with, with, with or ex- Atlanta No, money, but with, there's know.
2: an exception to that, which is you look at the Red Bulls in Dallas.
1: Yeah. And those guys <laughs> are know. like Sean Davis,
2: Tyler Adams,
1: um, Acosta. Kellen Acosta. Uyoya,
2: they're American guys. Yeah, it can be done. And is it going to be enough? Ultimately, no. I don't think it is. You're still going to go out. Have to go out. And you still spend some to
0: find money a, on a striker. You still, yeah, you still a to find a striker and playmaker. Yeah,
2: but yeah. and I I worry sometimes. You know, when we look at the guys who are coming up through the academy, who are getting ready to break through, mm-hmm. there's not a striker among them. No. There, there's fortunately there is a playmaker in Fontana,
1: but Anthony Fontana. Yeah. Um,
2: you hope, and I know Richie Graham hopes this, but it can be a little difficult sometimes because the kids who come into the academy have been taught by coaches who are, I'll say it, mostly white and suburban and affluent, just like all the rest of them. So most of
0: Philadelphia,
1: yeah, most of Philadelphia soccer
2: that they're not just producing central midfielders and defenders. Mm -hmm. you know, that they're going to produce some playmakers and some strikers. Hopefully in time they will. Um,
1: Well, is this like, so is the Philadelphia union of 2025, the, uh, Shakhtar Donetsk of the last ten years, where you have a bunch of Ukrainian is and European guys Dallas playing playing Daly. in your back six, it, and then you go find a bunch of Brazilians. Yeah, you, know? you go, it, go find it, Il, Il, Ilsenio Tashera. Yeah, and it's always Dallas it's, has really good
2: players.
1: It's always going to be that way. And, and Dave and I talked about it, I think or the, in two weeks ago or something, is you're always even if you put a even if Ajax comes out on the field with eight guys who are 20 years or younger, you're always going to need you're still going to have to have three other, four other guys who are not part of that. And that's the game in MLS. And it's just getting that right. Jim knows it. Right. He
2: can't sit there and throw his bosses under the bus from the podium. Right. But nobody, he ain't stupid, you know?
1: Um, I just think it. I think it was a little tone deaf when Ernie came out of the town hall meeting and said something to the effect of, "If you come down here just to see us win or lose, uh, you're not here for the right reasons." Well, Ernie, why the I hell? Know, why the, uh,
2: hell, he have said
1: why that. the hell else would he they? He shouldn't why? have
0: said that. And <laughs> but imagine that. He's a Matt, proud guy. Though.
1: Take that statement and and apply it to Howie Roseman or Matt Klentak or something. like That Matt Klementek gets up there and he says, "If you come down to Citizens Bank Park just to see us win." Win or lose, and you're not coming here for the right reasons. Well, what are they coming there, the, for, there for? The hot dogs, Ashber- what, Ashburn, is Ashburn, Ashburn that Alley. That's what they're coming there to, for. Right to, now. Yeah, to see uh, Mike Alfranco swing, look, and, I, swing I, and miss I, again. I, I, look, the
2: Sixers have ruined long-term development for this town for the next 20. Oh, years. Oh
1: God, don't even get me started on. But that. I'm,
2: I'm a hinky. I, I know that, and whatever. Anyway, the the
1: the can we can we at least agree that. We're not going to use any of that terminology for the Philadelphia Union. I try to. Ernie, Ernie, like, poo-pooed that as well. He said, I don't want to sound like the Sixers. I don't want to sound corny or anything with the process. The
2: thing about MLS is that you can turn a team around in two years. Mm -hmm. It's built that way. Mm -hmm. And we've seen it happen. It's built to be like the NFL in that way. And that's one of the reasons why I like it. But the... To get back to sort of the original point, I have no problem with the American player philosophy and the development philosophy. Because I mm-hmm. think, on the whole, it will sustain them in a lot of ways. It's not enough. It will allow what is a pretty bountiful crop of kids in the Philly region to want to play here
0: mm-hmm.
2: instead of going straight to Europe. And that in and of itself will help.
1: Yeah, and Austin Trustee is an example of that because sure. he had something tangible to look at while he if, was growing up. If while...
2: Jones or Trusty. Mm-hmm is on the World Cup team in 2022. Then you've hit the jackpot. Mm-hmm. And then you can really start to build something. Now you're still going to have to go out and, and, as we said, buy players and hopefully you know, get a little more money in the pot to do that. Yeah. And yeah. as I said, if a guy like Johansson comes on the market,
0: maybe you do gotta, You've got you to get to the front
2: of the line because he's the kind of player you need. Who will make your team better? And you want don't you? You want him to be hungry to prove himself, score some goals, so they can get on the plane to Russia next year.
0: Yeah, well,
1: and you know it's not just the, the you know the the money thing too. Yes, with money. Uh... Without spending uh, seven million dollars, you're not going to get a Javinko type. But you also have to spend money on the academy as well, you know, and programs that are associated with that. We all know that Jay Sugarman, when he comes out and says, "Well, we spend five to ten million dollars a year on the product." Well, nothing, Atlanta paid nothing. Atlanta paid eight million dollars for and spent thirty Al-Miros. million dollars on their practice facility. <laughs> so that's that's nothing, you know. I think everybody at this point knows what it is. I think Ernie's just been a little. I don't want to say tone deaf, but I just, I just don't think that what he's saying is resonating with much of the fan base at this point. All right. Anyway, um, Harrisburg next Wednesday, Jim opened his press availability today, Thursday with some kind of sardonic, you know, sarcastic kind of comments of, uh, yeah, we got Harrisburg again. It's the dream matchup that everybody wants to see. Fourth time in six years that they're playing Harrisburg in the U S open cup. And, uh, you know his his idea is kind of what I I share his idea on this is that it's just become kind of boring, you know, and we all understand why they do the regional thing with the open cup because you can't ask Reading United to fly to Seattle, right? Um, but again, we see the same damn every year. Unless
2: U.S. Soccer is right. going to write the, foot the whole bill, which they're right.
1: Making. Harrisburg, New York, New England, Chicago—that's kind of your route to the final, you know. So I I guess the question I would ask you is. Uh, What's a better way to do it, understanding that you can't ask uh, the Charleston Battery to drive out to, uh, you know, Rio Grande Valley Football Club or whatever? The only
2: thing I would change is the MLS team has to go on the road if they're playing a lower division team. Yeah. That's the only thing. I mean, I, I actually think the regional aspect of it helps in the end. Because in those markets that are, you know, the USL markets and the NASL markets, um, it's a little boost. You know, if Cincinnati is mm-hmm. going to play Columbus, or obviously if the Cosmos play the Red Bulls in New York City FC or something like that. Yeah, sure. Um, Jacksonville, Orlando is another one. San Antonio, Houston. Mm-hmm. Um, the Earthquakes are playing the San Francisco Deltas. I wish that game was at Kezar. In the
1: city. Oh, for sure. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I
2: think that helps. Well, I would. I think, think, no, the French Cup, in the French Cup, the higher seed, the the higher division team has to go on the road.
0: Right. So
1: there
2: is precedent for it Mm -hmm. out there. Mm -hmm. That would give it a little something extra. You know, the infrastructure problems are what they are. If you've got a Christos FC or something like that, you're going to have a problem because they play on a rec field
1: (laughs) or whatever.
0: Yeah, yeah, exactly. But
1: it would be a little something. Well here's the thing, you don't even have to I'm not even saying you gotta have uh, you know, teams travel cross country or whatever. You could have Harrisburg play DC and have uh Richmond come to Philly. And yeah, that's you can, that's you not can, asking no, people to not, dri- but, dri- but drive too much, you know? It's
2: not. But it, it's there's still at a certain point there are gonna be problems eventually. Mm-hmm. And some look some of it is solved in terms of the number of teams in the field by make by having all the affiliated USL teams not be in it, you know? Yeah. Which, if you're in Bethlehem, it sucks. But (laughs) Bethlehem still shouldn't be in there. Yeah. Rio Grande shouldn't be in there. They're not. Mm -hmm. They were at first, and then they realized that they shouldn't be. Right. Yeah, the change I'd make is, if it's an MLS team versus a lower division team, have the MLS team go on the road every time, as long as there's some fit way for the lower division team to host it. That'll give it a little something. And then once it's all MLS teams in the field, then you do coin flips for hosting rights and just...
1: That's reasonable, man. I know like in the early days, there was there was some charm to going down to Boyd's Maryland every year and seeing, you know, Peter Novak getting sent off and Carlos Valdez and and all the, the, the lore from those early kind of games. But when it just becomes a bit repetitive at some point, I know it's counterproductive to what I say about the union rivals or the lack thereof, which is you need volume of games. And yes, you get another opportunity. To play those games every year. I remember the 2015 Open Cup game against Red Bull, where Connor Casey got sent off. Vincent O'Gara had a great run. They scored a goal against the run of play, and then they won in penalties. You know, some of those games were great games, but that's, I don't, that's I, don't, I, don't I don't, need to see the Union play Harrisburg four times in six years. You know, I, know, I, I appreciate, of, I appreciate of some of it, but you know,
2: part of that is that there just aren't enough USL teams in the region to do anything else.
1: That's well, that's also true. Yeah, and especially on the West Coast. I mean, it's like, well, didn't Los Angeles come out and play uh, Charlotte like? one year or whatever because there wasn't anywhere else for them to go. And Bruce, like
2: Bruce Arena threw that game three years in a row or something like that. Yeah, that that lineup. Um, (laughs) Look, Portland's playing Seattle and they're all upset and I get why they're upset and I don't entirely blame them, but part of the burden of Portland and Seattle being Portland and Seattle is that this is, I should say part of the burden, part of the privilege of Portland and Seattle being Portland and Seattle is carrying this burden Mm -hmm. that comes with being two of the flagship teams in MLS. Yeah. And, you know, they're sort of myth that all three of their league games are within, a, you know, two months in the summer because they're the best national TV property. But that's the, it that's is, it is the what privilege it is, man. of it. Mean, the you union want, yeah. would take it in a heartbeat. We all would. Having, how, having the Philly Red Bulls game be the big one on national TV, we'd all take that in a
1: heartbeat. Speaking of national TV, uh, how are ratings so far this year? League wide, anything.
2: I don't get. I mean, I don't get the local numbers anymore.
1: I don't think so, anybody does. Yeah, uh, I definitely don't get them anymore. Not like there. The were ESPN many, is so. up <laughs> a
2: bit. Univision, I believe, is up a bit, and of course, that's the one that everybody ignores because hmm. nobody wants to watch a game in Spanish, even when they pretend to claim that they do. Then they put the SAP on and complain about it.
1: Especially if you're suburban whitey I, from I, uh, King of Prussia. I,
2: I watch. I watch the. I don't speak that much Spanish at all. But I watch it in Spanish because it's entertaining and I learn a little something. Yeah, KBM. Um, Fox is down a little bit. I think in part because some of their games haven't been great but also because people just don't watch FS1. They just don't. Yeah. For anything except live games they don't watch FS1. So, you know, I couldn't tell you whether they promote the MLS games during Coward and everything else because I'm not watching FS1. I've got yeah, ESPN watch, on all, ESPN's on all day in the office uh, because it's
1: SportsCenter. I watch uh, MMA, but even in the in those time slots, I don't see a lot of m. I don't see any MLS advertising really. Um, most of those are all like rerun shows and stuff. And yeah, I also, the fight nights and stuff. I don't
2: know. get worked up about TV ratings. If the ratings at the end of the year are up seven or eight percent a year for four or five years in a row. That's fine with me. And eventually the numbers are going to be fine.
1: Well, let's hope it, uh, keeps moving in a positive direction. Cause that's how we, uh, take the next step. All right. This is the portion of the program. Yeah. Uh, it's always soccer in Philadelphia program Uh-oh. where we, uh, take, uh, oh where we take, uh, viewer questions and comments here. We don't have a phone, so I can't take, you know, phone calls from Joe in the North. Long time or listener. Whatever, but... First time caller. Yeah. Long, first time, first time, long time. Alright, let me see what we got here. Um this guy says Fake WIP
2: union tweeted anything last <laughs> week?
1: I see a Hulk Union smash reference on here. Uh try this one from what's uh, he got? Uh oh it's just somebody mentioning him. Oh, it wasn't him. Right. All right, barbecue football says uh trustee has been used by Tav Ramos as a left back. Is that where the unions see him or as a center back moving forward? He was a center back in the game he played, I believe. Um I think he came in and played left back, he? It was, a, back,
2: didn't it was he? a late yeah, but it was
1: he was a late substitute. Yeah, it didn't really matter was, at that right. point. To, yeah. he's, for, he's for what it's worth, the union have been playing him as a center back. He's a he, center back. Yeah, he played he, left, he, is he a played L C B yeah, he played L C B for Steel, I, and that's where he's been playing in I think
2: yeah. that in the long run, the center back pairing maybe at this point next year. I thought it might be by the end of this year, but Elliot and Yale have played so well. Played well. Um I think next year you hope that at some point next year it's it's uh
1: Yarrow and Trusty, Justin Friedberg, will the union actually go after a number 10 in the summer window? I, I don't know. Um, I've just sort of pointed that out as being a position that I'm still not that impressed with. I mean, what, what what have you seen from Ilcino and Allberg up to this point? Do you like either one of them in that position? I have seen a... Th- much at all from Alberg, and that's all entirely Alberg's fault. Yeah, yeah he just has not impressed me at all. He, he, the, the optics of the way he moves around on the field and the way he trains and stuff like that, it's just hard for me not to throw the lazy, lazy moniker out there because that's what he looks like.
2: You, you know? and I and Matt and everybody else have said this again and again and again. He does not practice well
0: he doesn't he, he and and he jim Curtin.
2: <laughs> jim Curtin is a coach who gives his playing time based on how guys practice during the week and he's consistent about it and people say well then your most talented guys aren't always on the field my response to that is i get that but um if you're a guy who busts your ass all week and then know you're never going to play then what
1: that's what i'm saying i i yeah, the, the whole thing is just, you know, we all know about the weight situation in the off season. Roland had a kid, his first kid, so I'm sure he was taking care of the child and around the house and stuff like that. But I, you know, uh, you're a professional athlete, and you can't and you, show you up. Know 17, it. pounds it's not right. like it's his first season. He knows what he's getting himself into. He knows what his coach is like. All right, and that um, was what forced Badoya to play in that position. That's part of the reason why they were crappy to begin right. the year. Uh,
2: I, I like Ilciniu in that position.
1: I think he's been better than Albert there. Yes.
2: His yeah. skill set of playing forward and distribute you know, playing forward with the ball. Mm-hmm. He's not a great crosser, etc. That position suits him. And he can play a little high press, too.
1: He can. And he his ability to run at defenders and kind of drag people around opens things up a little bit. He's not going to play Necessarily the killer pass, or he's not going to do any any Maro Diaz kind of stuff. But he's 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 He can play a decent pass, but he's not like a
2: no. But I, I it's enough.
1: Know. It's more than enough. It's sport. it's better than what they've had there. That's for sure. But okay. you
2: know that I worry much more about striker than I do about
1: that. Well, they need a lot of things. But Rick uh, Rick says uh, which was the outlier: the six game unbeaten streak or the two straight losses? Considering that they both had largely the same lineup, six games. Yeah, the sixth game had to be, because it was just not sustainable. I mean, they changed the way that they played specifically for that, and Jim pointed that out in the story that he did with Adam Kahn and with a lot of the stuff that he said to us. They dropped the center backs a little bit deeper. They kept one fullback uh, in at all times. You know, they spaced it out differently. Bedoya was in a different position. Pico was on the field. Pontius was on the other side. Osenio was on the field. You know, there was a lot of stuff that was different there, but... Like you said, we we know what this team is, you know. And two thing, Jim, two Jim, has said at the begin from the very beginning, they all eleven players have to be playing at a certain mm-hmm. level for them to be able to to, right. to win. If they
2: know. if they don't blow the game against Montreal, and or if Bedoya hits the penalty against Toronto instead of putting off the crossbar, who knows?
1: Yeah, who knows then we're not talking about 250 days without a win. Marty Albert says, uh, "Please tell me your special guest is the PHL 17 girl." No, it's not. It's John, but there's neither the P- <laughs> la- None of the two uh, <laughs> two strikes. I would love to have her on though. Colleen Campbell. That's my kind of woman. Uh, So a married man. <laughs> true, yeah. <laughs> Sarah doesn't listen to the podcast, so um sorry, I'm trying to find the questions in here. They're all like uh Jeff Mitchell says, "Stick to politics, I will." Um I got a bunch of like favorites and crap in here. Uh, Should the union take a look at Giovanni Savarisi for head coach? Do you think he would be better than Jim Curtin at this point? I have
2: no idea because I honestly have no idea how good a coach Jim Curtin truly is because he's rarely ever had a full deck
0: of cards to play with. Yeah.
2: Now, does, does that mean if you put him in Seattle, you know, he'd absolutely work wonders? I don't know. But, you know, look, does he stick with certain things too long? Yes. But the wingers didn't flip themselves.
1: Exactly. That, and, and all the personnel and, stuff that he would not have done in years past. He would have ran Andrew Wenger out there 17 games in a row, waiting, right. waiting for him to finally get off the mark. But he moved Pontius. He moved Bedoya back, put different center backs on the field, put Ray Gaddis Bench, Keegan Rosenberg. I mean, like the, the, there's a laundry list of personnel moves that he would not have made in the past. The,
2: the Gaddis thing, by the way a lot of people have asked me about that.
0: Mhm.
1: I still think
2: Rosenberry is going to come back on the field at some point and so does Jim. On a couple of occasions where I thought Rosenberry might come back, um they've been hit they've had matchups where it makes sense for your outside back to stay home a little more.
0: Yeah. mm mm-hmm. Mhm.
2: So having Gaddis out there makes some more sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they had uh... You don't want to play Rosenberry in his first game back against a team who's left winger and left back are going charging down the field at you for 90 minutes and Rosenberry's going to be caught upfield all the time.
1: Yeah, especially when you're playing next to a Gucci who does not move anywhere close to the level and behind, jo- Josh Josh Yarrow moves. Back. Back. Exactly. Uh, Don says, Herbers, Fafa, Elsino uh, injured. Uh, does this push Bedoya out of position to plug a hole? Uh, no, no, I no. mean, they're, no, they're, yeah, they're still fine there. Alberg um, is fine. Yeah.
2: El Seno's fine. Alberg yeah. would and play. Fine now too. I would like to know how far off Adam the gym is. I thought he was going to, I've <laughs> asked, you know, I, ha- I asked Jim like a month and a half ago and it sounded like he was progressing. Toward getting better and better, and then it just sort of stopped happening. I haven't asked him in a while. i been meaning to. Speaking
1: of practice players, man, I, and I know I've said this before, but Adam Najem has been one of the best, consistently one of the best practice players that I've seen down there this year. And um, I know they've moved him around a little bit. They've had him playing some eight. It's steel. They've had him playing a little bit ten. They've tried him in a couple different. I spots. thought he might be the backup eight in New York, and he wasn't. Yeah, I mean, and they've had him on the bench, and they put him on the field actually in dc in the first dc game i guess it was which was strange to me again i just don't know if if now's the time to or or back then was the time to be messing around with that or giving a guy's debut but you know he's he does a lot of good things i think he's just sort of a tweener right now they're trying to sort of figure out whether what which role is the best for him you know but he's a good player man i like him hopefully, hopefully we will see him sooner rather than later um Lay Tuper90, where are this year's Academy graduates heading off to and which are believed to have MLS potential? It's probably more you than me because I, uh, I don't keep up with the I don't know where life, they're you know? going. Mm-hmm. They usually um, put out that press. They usually, usually – I them, mean,
2: yeah. if you go – look, Brotherly Game does a very good job of tracking the college commitments.
1: Yeah, because Matt's up there. Matt Ralph is up there, and he does a lot of that stuff for them.
2: The guys to watch, Mark McKenzie, mm-hmm. Rayshawn McGann, and I suspect the crown jewel is Anthony Fontana. Probably, yeah. Because he's a playmaker. Yeah. And he's got. You know, I talked to Richie Graham about him during the winter mm-hmm. when I did the series on the academy. He's got the touch, he's got the vision. He's 16 or 17 hours, something like that. So he's not going to be, um, you know, senior team now. He's not a, you know, a Pomacall or a Alfonso Davies or something
0: like mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm.
2: But. If he's getting some run with Bethlehem by the end of the year, I think that's gonna be a very good thing.
1: What do you see happening with Jay Simpson? Uh, don't see how you can keep a guy at that salary Gracious. and he's a complete non fit. That's from Philly Terrace. I mean, it just that that signing just didn't. Part of the thing when I sit here and think about Johansson or Terrence Boyd or or whoever's out there, I the Jay Simpson thing makes it sound to me like they're not they can't really go anywhere, you know. If they had gotten Jay Simpson on a hundred thousand dollars or just not signed anybody in the offseason and decided to kick the can down the road to the summer window thinking that they could get somebody better. Um, they had to get somebody. They had to get somebody and, but, but I just and it, it and it's not even a knock on Jay necessarily because we haven't even really seen enough from him. But we all know that he's not a CJ Sapong kind of player. He's not a big defense defense first, uh you know, target forward who can junk up a game. I mean, they're so dependent on having this this type of striker in this system that it just, I don't think we're ever going to really get a true, you know, assessment of, of how good Jay Simpson is or isn't when they're playing him in a, in a role that is just not what he does. I think, I think they signed him to be the guy. He did not prove to be that good.
2: Sapong so got better. Mm-hmm. Still not to the level that I think the union need yet. I think you agree with that. He's good, but he's not he is not a top of MLS level scorer. He does a lot of things really yeah. well. His physicality scares other teams. His whole up playoff scares other teams. Mm-hmm. His shooting, I'm not sure it does.
1: Well, let's go through what he's done this year. He has two he scored two penalties that he didn't earn himself uh he had a couple poached goals especially during the hat trick and again i'm not sitting here criticizing cj or trying to take anything away from him. i'm trying to look at it objectively with with years of of a body of work for him um we all know what he, he does has a well. burden of proof there's a burden and of jim, proof there which jim, is why jim, the for question as much is- as jim
2: has gone after you over jim knows cj knows everybody knows there is a burden of proof even if utterly the difference between scoring 10 goals and 11 goals is meaningless mm-hmm There is a burden of proof there. He has plenty of time to reach it. About Simpson, I went back and found an interview that I did with Ernie at the Combine in January, not long after Mm -hmm. Simpson was signed. Okay. He said, the thing that we were looking for in this offseason was somebody whose alarm bells go off when we get into the 18-yard box. That's what we were looking for, focusing on and targeting, and Jay has that. Once a ball falls into the 18-yard box, he has those instincts as a center forward to be in and around the ball. That's a very important quality that a center forward needs. That was something we wanted to address, and with Jay, we feel we've definitely done that. I look at certain qualities that people have, and we're trying to find. And then obviously with his experience in the Premier League, but also in the championship, being with Arsenal in the academy, it brings a certain thing to the surface. It does not necessarily always say where you play at that moment what kind of center forward you can be with the Philadelphia Union. Um, oh. Something told Ernie, Jim, Chris Albright, whatever, that that was the best they were going to be able to do. And I said at the time, and I think we all said at the time, why well, Naldon was a great signing. Mm-hmm. Pico was a great signing. Onyewu mm-hmm. was a dream signing.
1: At that price, yeah.
2: I would even for a little more. Yeah. Uh, you know, everybody anybody, veteran, who, says, minimum, yeah. anybody who says to me that a player in MLS is the waste of money, I'll say to them there is no waste of money in MLS because nobody gets paid, though. <laughs>
1: it's, it's very true. So. name was a good signing? Yes.
2: Madunini was a good signing. Simpson was the big one because when you sign a striker, he has
1: to score goals and that is the only thing he is judged on. Yeah. Period. End of sentence. Yeah. And CJ, the thing that bothers me, and I, I don't. I don't think I'm critical of CJ. I think I've been pretty fair to him over the years. I mean, I I wrote the story. I I wrote the story like the week before Jim and I had that exchange. I wrote something about how CJ doesn't get enough calls from the rest or something like that. But anyway, because I see, I see the potential that he has as a player to be Fernando Adi, to be Josie, you know, I wouldn't go Josie,
2: but if Adi, Sure. But He's to be that little, guy, yes. to
1: be that guy who can do all of those hold up things, but also be a double digit goal scorer. Yes, and that's an albatross. Yes, you know, on it his, has on been his career. on him for a long time. You know, I'm not and making shit up. No. I mean, this is what it is. And know?
2: Jim knows it. They get sick of hearing it after a while, but Jim knows it. They all know it, and it is good for a top striker in MLS to have pressure on him. Because it as means it that the league be. is growing, and we it means, as it should be, in putting pressure on them. It means that, that that there is some growth happening, and the standards are being raised, and all of these things that we want to have happen.
1: Well, let's hope the standards raised for the uh, Philadelphia Union, or else we might be on the road of uh, looking at another Open Cup uh, stretch here, and then the season will be over. But look, I think I mean, they have still,
2: still got a shot to make
1: play. To kind of wrap, look to kind of wrap it up, and to kind of bring things back to the beginning here. I think this team, in the famous words of Denny Green, rest in peace, the Philadelphia Union are who we thought they were. Yes. You know, we, Dave and I, sat here and said that we thought fifth, sixth, seventh place, you know, kind of where they would be um, last year. I mean, is that not how you looked at it, too, when we came into the season? I
2: see the same. I I think that if they can get to fifth, and therefore they have improved upon last year, Good. Will they? I don't know. I think they've got a shot because Montreal has faded. DC has faded. New England has faded. I don't think Columbus is going to keep it up.
1: Is it Orlando sustainable? Maybe. If Kyle Iron keeps Maybe. playing away the way. Yeah. They
2: might be. Atlanta, Toronto.
1: NYC. NYC. I just That's the thing. I just don't know. if if, if, if the Union... Yeah, it's wide open. If the Union finish and it would if fifth place would be a wild success for this team this year, compared considering how they started, you know? Yes. But I just don't see who is making room for the union in the, in the top five, you know, I I don't see enough teams. Let me pull up the standings. I don't see enough teams dropping out there. I mean, let me pull up the standings here. We'll pull them up and I'll I'll do it off the top of my head. Toronto, Toronto, NYC. I got
2: four. I got four places pretty well booked. Okay. Toronto, Chicago,
1: Chicago, oh, Jesus, Chicago, yeah. City. City. Probably Orlando. So that's four, and then you're saying that for the Union to finish in fifth, they'd have to leapfrog New York and Atlanta. Philly's and on sixteen
2: with fourteen games played. Finish above the Revs. Orlando's on twenty. Orlando oh, and New York are on twenty-four with fifteen games played.
1: I just don't. I mean, I just don't see it, man. I don't. You know, I'm not trying to be cynical about it or whatever, but just looking at it realistic, I don't know. Who vacates that spot to let the Philadelphia Union? I, in there I, I be.
2: don't. I don't. I haven't figured out Orlando yet. And obviously, mm-hmm. if Laren gets sold, the whole thing goes out the window. Yeah, but I think Atlanta's going to make the playoffs. So that's five. And then you know, then you're you're fighting for sixth.
1: I don't know, man. I, think the I would not. I would not
2: be surprised. If the if the order ends up being Toronto, Chicago, Atlanta, New York, and then everybody else is hammering away at each other.
0: Yeah, well, but
2: I think I think the union will be in the mix,
1: and that's all we can ask for, man. Just give me stuff. Get, just give me stuff to write about up until uh, October. I will drive my ass up to Toronto one more you time know, if, if they you want if me they to. They I will do to, it.
2: If they get to if they get to fifth or sixth with more points than they had last year,
1: then then it's a success. It's yeah. A success. All right. Well, and listen. Then the
2: pressure, but then the pressure is on them to raise their game further and break through that next level, and that they aren't going to do.
1: Without opening the checkbook. Yes, without going to the next uh, tier of, of spending, which we all know is not going to happen. All right. Well, listen, on that note, I want to kind of wrap it up here by going back to the uh, public service announcement that Dave and I had last week. We were asking people their input on uh, donating money to the pod to upgrade some of the equipment and do a I bunch got of different things. I about that. Okay. Well, I'll let you jump in. Um, uh, you know, the response was good, and people said they might be interested in it. So I think what I'm going to do is kind of formulate a plan here, and I'm going to write down a list of like what we would purchase and what we'd use the money for. And I also have a lot of cool like old memorabilia and union-related stuff that I think I would be able to offer up as kind of like a, um, a gift to people if they were that interested in fun. donating. Yeah, I have a whole box that's sitting in that. I'm pointing to the wall over there. I have a whole box of like old union, um, like press related stuff and credentials and old, like manuals and draft stuff and whatever. So maybe some people will be interested in that kind of stuff. I'll come up with a plan. We'll do like the GoFundMe or Kickstarter or something like that. And we'll see how it goes. Um, but yeah, I think we're definitely going to go down that road. So thanks again to everybody for the, um, for the feedback on that. I appreciate it. what do you want to say about it? I would it? say you deserve the money, but if after that
2: people <laughs> have some money left over, <laughs> Take John, out a, John take could out use out some a subscription to-, to the Inquirer because you know we aren't going to have We you, people know what the soccer coverage in the Inquirer is now mm-hmm. um, I've said for years if you want there to be more you have to subscribe to the paper and call the paper and tell them you're subscribing because you know they cover soccer
0: mm-hmm. it's,
2: That it, it is a transactional activist consumer is the phrase that I've used over many years thing and I try real hard. Mark Narducci tries real hard. John Smallwood tries hard. You got other folks in the room like Mike Jensen and Bob Ford mm-hmm. who know the game. Obviously don't get to write about it as much as they used to, or as much as they like to.
0: But when they do do it, it's good.
2: Right. We have an intern this summer named Julia Poe who's a real soccer nut and is going to be pitching in, especially when the Gold Cup gets to town. And, you know, Mark and I obviously are going to have some vacation at various points of time this summer. She'll be covering the union a little i think i could say that
1: mark needs a vacation mark is sure. the hardest working man in journalism his time my goodness <laughs>
0: he needs a vacation
1: uh i would i would echo everything that john said right there um as always man we appreciate the support i think the last podcast we did got something like 1200 views or uh, 1200 views hey, yeah. Yeah, 1200 listens so onward and upward as my former general manager john hitchcock at channel three used to say uh kevin kincaid John Tanwell, John, thanks for coming in, man. It's always pleasure, a pleasure, man. man. We'll do we should, we'll do it again for sure. sure. And uh, congratulations again to my normal co-host Dave Zeitlin on the birth of his daughter, Lila. He now has two kids running around the house and a dog. So we'll see how Am that. Am I happens. supposed to say, "Let's go, Mountaineers"? Close this. Close this. Let's, let's go. Let's go. <laughs> That's it. Let's go, Mountaineers. Let's go drink some beers. It's always soccer in Philly.